0: Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball especially when it's done by the twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home. Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing the Grand Group at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins three-game series against the Seattle Mariners. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Koufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins score one more run in total than the Mariners did in the three-game series, and that was enough for the series victory. Dan Thompson, I don't know that I've ever seen it where a team loses 5-0 and then wins the next game 5-0. It just seems very bizarre,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, certainly this felt like a series that the Twins could easily have lost, um, and it would give a very different tenor. I think the, the key was Game 1, right, where they actually, the Twins were able to hold a lead because this would have been a disappointing series i think to lose given as well really as the twins pitched throughout the series
0: yeah it it was a good outing definitely from the starters for the most part especially considering sort of the other factors at play with our current guys Mm -hmm. in the rotation but yeah i just kept looking at those numbers and i couldn't believe how few runs were scored like from each side in the in these three games
1: and each game had a, a tipping point that i thought it really could have gone either way
0: yeah so let's let's just jump right into the series recap here dan
1: the so- series recap
0: game one Dan this one this one was a tight game this was tense the thing is it's late Dan right it was a 9-10 start I was tired I wanted to go to bed but how could you go to bed like this Dan twins are on the cusp of victory they come away with this one 3-2 in very dramatic fashion to end it bottom of the ninth Dan I don't know if you were on the edge of your seat but I I was on the edge of my mattress if I'm going to be honest I I had moved to the bedroom but I had it on my (laughs) phone and I'm like I'm just like tense Dan
1: well so when they when they play the Mariners I can't watch it through the MLB app because I'm blacked oh, out so I'm listening to Corey Provis and so I'm at the mercy of Corey and Dan which I'd much rather be at the mercy of Corey let me tell you if I want any detail and any punchy anything really accurate um, you know the, the count or like what happened after <laughs> anything, after, the, after why the ball did they get the middle contact? innings to Dan Gladden I can't we just hear Corey the whole game why do they feel anyway really interesting I mean an interesting game because they only get four innings out of Archer and he looked good but you know as we read in The Athletic there was a good article talking about how the twins are being incredibly careful with archer and trying to ramp him back up so they get a full season out of him and it's hard to argue with that system when he's pitching with a 3.35 era yeah when i read that article by hayes the only thing was i was sort of left thinking this kind of seems
0: like he's going to be this way for a while, right? Like, we're not going to see Archer pitching seven innings in the near future.
1: No, I agree with you there. And maybe he's the guy that they might stack, you know, a Josh Winder with when he's back. Even a Bailey Ober. I mean, I guess we'll see what they do. Um, But in this game, the Twins' bullpen comes through after that. Thielbar comes in, pitches an inning, then jacks. Cotton, Smith, Duran, Pagan. I mean, they used pretty much all of the big arms here, and it worked out. And maybe that led a little bit into what happened
0: in Game 2, but we'll get to that. We do need to note, Buxton had a home run in Game 1 right off the bat. At in the top of the first,
1: and this is fresh off of his being named AL Player of the Week. He's almost to his career high now, I believe, in a single season home run with 18.
0: Well, and so we we have to note this stat because this is pretty amazing. So Buxton against the starter for the Mariners, Flexen, after that home run was six for six with two doubles and two home runs. That's like Kepler against Trevor Bauer. Like when he went on that stretch where he <laughs> well, had like five home reference. runs in a row. Yeah. Like it, it's like what is going on? Like how do you? Deal with it. One, do you think Flexen knew that? Like, you have to think Buxton you have knew to it. I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure Flexen did too, but you have to think in Buxton's mind at the plate, he's thinking, oh, well, I got this. And Flexen's mind is like, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to do this again. And so I was a little surprised about one, Jack's only pitching one inning here. I thought that he would pitch a little bit more because he only threw 12 pitches. So I thought they might give him another inning, but they went to Cotton Smith, Duran, and then Pagan. And I do have to say, Dan, Pagan pitching in the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> It's late, right? I'm sleepy. I want to go to bed, but I want to see how this game ends, so I can't go to bed. Dan, there was a solid eight minutes between each of those pitches that he threw in the bottom of the ninth inning, and I'm like, dude, please just throw the ball. Ugh.
1: I think Provis started talking about the weather. He started talking about the last time he visited Seattle. There was a lot of filler in that ninth inning when you would think they would have... They would have kept it going. Um, on to game two, Dan Thompson. <laughs> all right. So the Twins get shut out for what is the ninth time this season. It's the most in Major League Baseball, which I wasn't surprised by it because I've felt it, but I'm surprised the Twins with this lineup have been shut out that many times.
0: I assume you didn't go deep in and like look at the rosters to see who was out on the IL during those shutouts, Dan?
1: Oh, yeah. I did a big, deep analysis, David. It was my whole <laughs> afternoon, actually. I just I looked at all of those box scores. Um but the problem here for the twins is that joe ryan pitched okay but the two big home runs doom him um one was right after a visit from west johnson so that obviously didn't work
0: you know and embarrassing i mean you gotta think <laughs> as the pitching coach if you go out there in the very next pitch your pitcher <laughs> just gets rocked to left field it's gotta feel not great as the pitching coach you would think
1: no and there were moments in this game you know where they thought the twins could have gotten back into it but they were over five with runners in scoring position there were no big rallies in this game for the twins kepler grounds into a double play you know they were just they didn't have have enough spots where it really even felt like they're gonna win this game.
0: No, and I do have to say, Dan, I hate doing this, but I have to give credit where credit is due. Dan had mentioned in a previous podcast about how it just felt like the twins were always being run on, and the Mariners proved you correct, Dan. Let me tell you, they stole one, two, three, four bases. That's a lot of stolen bases in a three-game series.
1: Yeah, and in this game, the two that Moore stole, I, I don't remember if he scored on both of those situations, but he did score two runs in the game. It's obvious here that the twins are are not a great threat to throw people out and they're going to keep getting run on also another note about the Mariners here so their starting pitcher Gilbert now is 7-2 and two. I believe he's only given up one run in 11 innings against the Twins and he's up to ninth in the league with ERA 2.22 and again this was so strange is that the Mariners seem to have capable pitching I mean you look at the names on this roster I don't know how they're this, they're this bad Gilbert looked like the real deal right yeah. it wasn't like the Twins
0: just looked inept I mean they looked inept but it wasn't because they're not good players it was because Gilbert was just superior in this outing
1: but then luckily we look at game three and the twins right at the ship and another game that really could have turned on just any number of plays
0: it's crazy when you're watching a game and the first runs aren't scored until the seventh inning yeah right?
1: like like your whole game you're just
0: waiting and you're seeing, okay who can make that first impact play and thankfully it was the twins and they just kept the pedal down Dan they didn't let the Mariners come up
1: well and I'm sure Ryan Jeffers was the first name that you would have picked if you would have said hey he's gonna make the biggest impact he has the big RBI and then the twins are able to pile on more runs late in the game big play though for me I think it was maybe the biggest play of the game was Gio Urshela's play in the seventh inning bare handing a ball so to set the scene the Mariners got runners on first and second nobody out then I believe it was more popped out on a bunt attempt to Miranda and then on the next play there's a slow roller up the third baseline Gio Urshela bare hands it with like his fingertips it makes a beautiful throw across the diamond to get a guy there so instead of bases loaded it's second and third with two outs and the twins were able to get out of the jam
0: Urshela what I like about him too is that he had a couple of different hits in this series not not hits, excuse me. He made contact to the third baseman and the third baseman had two pretty good plays for the Mariners on Urshela hit balls. And you could kind of tell that Urshela took it personally. Like, like he was offended mm-hmm. that someone who plays his position would get him out. And I just like that sort of chip on his shoulder, not in an outward way, but you could just kind of tell that he was a little bit frustrated that that's how he caused the outs to, to accrue.
1: And there were spots. I think one of those was, was with Urshela running out a ball where it would have been a double play ball. And they avoided that. Miranda did that in another situation really crediting uh, the the twins with their effort here too and then I think the biggest offensive play of the game is Luis Arise's opposite field single to score two after actually there was a wild pitch in there that set up the guys in runners in scoring position but man he is so fun to watch and the YouTube announcers sure were on the Luis Arise train well they
0: were so upset that the Mariners first baseman was ahead in their little poll that they did for all-stars so they were like (laughs) France is up in this poll and they were both just flabbergasted that Luis Arise
1: wasn't winning a hundred percent to zero against all the other al first basemen it was another one of those games that's on a one-off so it's on youtube and it just it was maddening to hear them try to talk about these two teams that i mean i'm sorry but mainstream media are not paying a lot of attention to the twins and the mariners no and and here we were again trying to talk it up they were talking about doing the flying fish at the seattle market like they hit so many of those stereotypes of visiting seattle it was just i wanted to pull my hair out
0: my favorite mispronounced name has to go to them talking about Sonny Gray and how they replaced the
1: Twins ace, Jose Barrios. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it's like, he's still playing in baseball here. He's a, he's a great pitcher. Like, how do you mess that one up? And Arias, I feel like they added like five syllables to his name a couple times. There were like Man. three or
0: four E's, definitely, in, in
1: Arias. Arias' name. <laughs> We, uh, we do need to give credit to, to Tommy Watkins sent Celestino and it worked. Just so you know, <laughs> I even put this in the notes
0: to give Watkins credit. However, however, had he not sent him, it would have been first and third one out so I, mean, it was a good I, I liked send. it
1: though because that's a double play away in a close game and I maybe he knew something about the Mariners outfield because obviously Tommy Watkins if there's one thing about him that we know he does his scouting reports and he takes those things seriously <laughs>
0: very very seriously <laughs> so to end game three Dan YouTube the, the most important thing that they did, Dan, was name the player of the game, which they gave to Luis Arias, uh, <laughs> and in, in his post-game interview, though, they gave him a trophy, which <laughs> I gotta be honest, if Luis arise puts that in a trophy case somewhere, I mean, I gotta think, Luis Rise probably has several trophies, right? Like, I'm sure that he has several <laughs> awards so. that he's accrued through his time playing baseball, but the player of the day, because you played on YouTube, I'm just thinking that trophy is probably not at the precipice of his... Uh, of his award shelf but the quote the quote was worth it right like he deserved the award more for the quote than for his play i'd say but so Luis in talking to the interviewers after the game says my dad said hey if you hit it to left field you make a lot of money <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, you win, and you
1: win some trophies too from youtube yeah. apparently <laughs>
0: But anyway, so a great quote from Arise, um, absolutely in that one, and I'm I'm so happy he has that award now, Dan. All
1: right, well let's uh let's move on here towards our next segment, Puckett's Picks. Catch them all,
0: Kirby Puckett. Puckett's Picks winner. It's weird, Dan, because I didn't win. And you didn't win, so who reads the stats? The listeners come away with the victory.
1: I know. They win for a rise. I feel like the listeners have had a rise a lot lately, but it paid off here. So he has six points. Buxton, thanks to two strikeouts in game three, fell behind for me with five. And then Correa, a solid three for you, David, I would say. Yeah.
0: Well, in a series where there's only, what, where there's eight runs scored by (laughs) by one team and seven by
1: the other? I mean, those are decent numbers, right, for Puckett's Picks? and then so as far as the season standings you maintain a lead with eight and the listeners have six and i also have six and uh, i'm gaining though on the listeners in the season points here well i guess I, I by definition did not gain on them in this one but i'm seven back from them uh and you are 17 back from me so there's something i think it's going to work itself out it's going to normalize david and i'm going to get i'm going to get a couple wins here in the next couple series
0: i do feel bad though that like no one's here to pump up the listeners when they get a victory right like you and i are both just sort of ho-hum about <laughs> it but so Hoax is going to be on the podcast in the the next couple of weeks here and i'm sure that he'll he'll make it known if the listeners come away with a victory
1: all right well let's move forward here to beast versus bench
0: beast versus bench it's losing fun is losing
1: fun this is gonna be a little bit of an oddball choice and i'm sure i'm sure hogs will have something to say about this here i'm gonna go with none other than griffin jacks as Ooh. my beast here, David, I'm going to go with a relief pitcher. I don't know that I've ever done this before. No, that's only
0: so, reserved for your bench spot. Dan. I know. That's, that's, that's why it it's recently. such a great
1: reversal. So in game three, he struck out two of the three guys that he faced. And then in game one, he struck out one of the guys. So he he had a pretty much a almost an immaculate inning. I know we're going to talk about that <laughs> a little bit later. But Griffin Jacks, David, is 4-0 and on the season. And... We both, dare I say, didn't even think he was going to be playing with the twins this year. But he's turned into a, a really valuable middle
0: reliever. So it's funny that you picked him because he he had two outings, Dan, and that's not
1: really your mo when you pick <laughs> I know, a relief picture. I know, but so I'm I'm really happy with uh, with what he's become and and. Seriously, a credit to the twins for finding a spot for him because he looked lost as a starter in many ways there. But to be able to convert him into a long reliever, but now he's only pitching one inning outings. Like it's almost like they're building up to be like an end of the bullpen kind of guy. That's been a little
0: confusing to me, right? Because I thought that Jax was definitely going to be used as that long relief guy in what's his name. Well, I had to think about this for a second. In, in um, were you in, trying to say Tyler like, Duffy? is that No, <laughs> Rand- Randy Dobnak is who I was trying to oh, recall, man. but it's been so long since we've said that name on the podcast. But anyway, I thought Jax was sort of going to be his replacement to be the long relief guy. But it does seem like he's going to be more of a traditional one-inning type guy, which if he can be effective and even more effective that way than in a long relief role. The Twins aren't going to aren't going to turn away any relievers who are giving them one solid inning in a game.
1: No, cuz they need that right now. Um
0: who's your beast? Yeah, I got to give it to Arise. He had it wasn't a great game 2, but nobody had a great game 2, but he played well in the field and he had a very good game 1 and obviously was pretty much responsible for the victory in game 3. Yeah, there was another great article by by Dan Hayes at the Athletic. Man, Hayes is getting all sorts of shout-outs from us this episode, but he had, did a write-up about Arise and finding strength in his legs. And how he worked out with Nelson Cruz. It was a really good read, and just shows the dedication that Arise put in to keeping himself healthy and
1: trying to make it so he's going to stay on the field for the majority of the games this season. Well, and then moving to bench, we're in agreement here. It's got to be Trevor Larnach, right?
0: It was hard to pick somebody, and you didn't pick a reliever, which is shocking to me. I don't know. I'm just so used to that being. I know they pitched really well. The bullpen had a great series. (laughs) But so Larnick was 0 for six. He he played in two of the games, and I don't know how much this would have really stuck in both of our minds if. Kirilov wasn't breathing down his neck, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later.
1: Well, first of all, in this series, nobody else really seemed to have a, a bad game because the guys who didn't get hits played really well in the field. Larnak's going to have to be better than this, I think, if he wants to hold Kirilov off. And, and he's kind of the specter that's sitting over this roster right now.
0: We were talking prior to recording a little bit about how this roster, there's probably not going to be a lot of movement outside of when winder comes back and maybe over comes back but other than that this roster is looking more and more sort of set in stone
1: and kirloff is really the odd guy out at this moment well we'll talk more about him after a little bit let's uh let's go to the rewind
0: Rocco's rewind so i got a question dan Thielbar in game three threw four pitches got one out couldn't you throw him out there for another inning? And then Duran, he's gone two innings before. He only had 13 pitches. It worked out, right? They won game three, so I can right. only be so critical. But to me, some of these high leverage guys in the bullpen, you can get a few more pitches out of them. And I think if this game goes a different direction, you would have liked to get more length out of them. So I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm pleading with you, Rocco, give these guys a little bit more of a leash, especially when they get the
1: outs that they needed to in such a short time frame. give them a couple more pitches. Well, so one thing with Fieldbar, so he pitched the end of the seventh inning and then the Twins scored three runs in the top of the eighth, which was a pretty long half inning. And so I've got to think that it was because of that. I don't necessarily mind it because I think he's brought in to face a certain guy in that situation. A little surprised maybe to run, but then at the same time, then the twins added another run. It's five nothing. They got Pagan at least starting to warm up a little bit. Again, like you said, it worked out, so it, it is really hard to criticize it's that, fun. especially with the day off coming.
0: Well, and, and you make some reasonable points. Like I don't want to just dismiss those. I guess I'm just thinking in this point it'd be great to get the series victory. If the Elbar is still hot put him back out on the mound. Maybe you don't even need to burn Duran, or maybe you don't even need to go to Pagan, you know, whatever the situation may call for.
1: And that's fair. And we'll see kind of how that works out against Arizona. I'm going to also talk about kind of some bullpen management, you know, so getting through game two, as as I'm watching this game and I'm seeing how the twins just look pretty impotent offensively, I was just really glad they got through that game with only three pitchers. So Joe Ryan only goes four and two thirds. McGill comes in and gets an inning and a third. And then Moran is able to pitch the last two innings. They don't have to pitch the ninth, which I thought was actually really important here because they didn't have to go to anyone's other guys so we've talked recently a lot about Rocco playing to win the next game this is a perfect example of him doing that and it actually working out really well because they needed those arms in game three well we had so many of those so many of those moments last season where we said
0: Rocco manages losses very well it's one of his best qualities as a manager well let's go into the Minnesota moment
1: (laughs) Minnesota moment
0: yeah, I got to go with Pagan save in Game One, and as annoyed as I was with how much time he took between the pitches, I was so happy to see the Twins not blow a late lead in such a close game. It's just one of those things where we're so used to it as Minnesota fans, especially twins fans, that just seemed like a game the twins were likely to lose. And so to see them close it out, it was a very it was a very big moment. And I I was very excited for how late at night it was, Dan.
1: Well the other thing is that you gotta remember they're playing the Mariners, which if there's any baseball fandom that is more long suffering than the twins, it's the Mariners. And I think they would say the same thing as you, David. Well they just kind of expected to lose. Like this is the kind of game that the Mariners lose too. They've been, I think it was more one run games than anybody else in the league. So I'm going to go into mine here, which I'm going to look at game three here. And this is Luisa Rice's two run single. And a couple things about this and the YouTube people first of all, pointed this out. Luis Arise fouled off a ball that was low in a way. I think, it, I think it was a low fastball with a full count. And then he gets that opposite field hit. And they were talking the whole at bat about how he's going to go opposite field. He's going to go opposite field. I mean, what a, what a great moment to see the team's best hitter making his case to be an all-star in a big moment late in the game he comes through. Well, and the, the pitch that he fouled off too, that was definitely outside the
0: zone like he could have let that go it was definitely going to be a ball but the catcher almost hung on to it like it was a it was a foul tip and the catcher he made an effort because he knew how important it is to limit the number of pitches that Luis Arise gets to see
1: sure and I was happy he was swinging because Jose Miranda as good as he's been lately I'd rather Luis Arise is batting with guys in second and third than Miranda coming up with the bases loaded
0: uh, no question. No question. If you're a betting man, you take a rise every single time, Dan. There's not really, that's not even a comparison. Like, I, know, it, was, it was nice of you to say, but nobody
1: nobody is going to disagree, Dan. Well, but honestly, in that situation, if you're the Mariners, do you not just consider walking a rise to load the bases once you've got guys on second and third so you can face Miranda? Like, I don't think that was crazy with a right-hander on the mound. I just don't know how it can get any better. Maurer's musings. We alluded to it a bit earlier, Dan, so why don't you start us off? Sure. So the Kirilov question obviously lingers. He hit a grand slam this week for the Saints. He's hitting like it's it's like 600 or something down in AAA. I mean, he's really playing well. I think it's closer to 400, but he's been fantastic. And with Polanco not playing this series at all, I just wonder, first of all, is Kirilov going to come up for this Arizona series and Polanco is going to do an IL stint? Because they've talked about how Polanco's back is not really like, it wasn't feeling worse, but it also wasn't feeling better. And I could see a scenario here. You, You know, you want Polanco on the field. But if Polanco goes on the injured list as a precaution, as much as anything, you move a rise to second and first base opens up and you got some at-bats for Kirilov right there. Or you give Larnack a couple more days. You know, like there's ways, obviously, that that could work in in a way that it wasn't maybe going to work if Carlos Correa goes down. You know what I mean? Like positionally, it works better.
0: I don't have a problem with the logic of it happening. It would just surprise me because Polanco wasn't put on
1: the I.L. already. What's uh What's your musing?
0: I was doing some stat dives, and I was looking at at particularly the offense of the team because Twins Twitter after the game two were were just not thrilled with the offensive performance, as you can imagine, sure. zero runs, like. Over for 5 with runners in scoring position, whatever the other stats may
1: be. How was it like when the wind, wind was blowing in from right field, or it was swirling <laughs> over center field like a vortex? Not, like, did not you get those, that
0: stat? Not those kind of stats, Dan <laughs> okay. Thompson. No, but so every every sort of major statistical offensive stat outside of stolen bases, which we talked about last episode, the Twins are a top 10 offense in the league by just about every measurable that you could look at. So the real question becomes, Dan, is this team capable of making the postseason with their pitching constructed the way it's currently set up?
1: I think it's capable of making the postseason. I don't know that it's capable of making a run in the postseason. I do think they're going to need to pick up one or two bullpen arms I'm not so sure about starters because depending on who's available you're going to overpay so much to get a starter down the stretch I'm not sure that it's worth sacrificing the next couple years in some sense they're going to need some relievers more than they need a starter
0: I would agree with that so one one note I was going to ask but I think the question is I think the answer is obviously no but reading those articles about who's going to be available at the deadline and Nelson Cruz's name came up it would be so fun to see Cruz return to the twins but there's just no space for him like the way the Rocco has been using the DH you're not going to sacrifice you know a Buxton or a Correa at bat for a Cruz at bat because you'd rather have the higher average of of Buxton or Correa over the power of Cruz because both Buxton and Correa have that power capability as well
1: yeah I think and also for as much as other players talk about Nelson Cruz's influence on the team I think he's already done enough I would say well, in the so, sense that like no, Miguel Sano, no, yes. I mean, he was the re- he was the reason Miguel Sano kept playing baseball. Now he's the reason Luis Arias is hitting balls opposite field. Like, no, what are we going to hear just, next? Yes, like, did no. Joe Ryan get some inspiration from Nelson Cruz, too, I during their, as, their sh- as their ships pass in the trading deadline night?
0: The way. <laughs> Sorry, you, I just. What else? The, no, the way that I understood what you were saying, I thought you were talking about like with the Nationals. And so I was confused, oh. like what you were saying. So now I understand what you're saying. But I'm glad we got that that waxing poetic from from Dan Thompson about, about Nelson Cruz's impact on current Twins players. I mean, and he any chance you taught, get to bring up Miguel
1: Sano? I feel maybe Nelson Cruz is still actually managing this team, like through text message. Like maybe he's he's still sh- doing that. It's a shadow management. Like,
0: he's, just, he's just got something. Like, oh my goodness! Uh, Dan. All right, we got to grade the series series grades i'm gonna go first dan look at this look at this i'm giving them a b they won two out of three you had both gray and ryan coming off the aisle making their first starts you did what you could archer gave you a decent outing but no more innings than you would expect out of archer at this point I don't know. I was pretty happy with the series victory. You're away from home. You seem a little bit down on this series, though, Dan.
1: You know, I I think that's it. I'm just disappointed by this big fat zero in game two. And I'm just disappointed by a lot of the big fat zeros that the Twins have produced this season. I I would have liked to see them muster a little bit more there than the four hits in the middle game. And they end up winning the series, and that's great. But I gave them a B minus. I just I didn't feel quite as good about the series maybe as you did.
0: So do you think how much do you think where you're living currently plays into this? (laughs) You're living in Mariners country, so maybe maybe you get a little bit more amped up for these series, Dan, where it's hard for me to do so.
1: I was feeling like I was a little bitter that I wasn't able to go as school was finishing up and I couldn't go. And I'm even getting texts from people who I know who are at these games, some of them who don't even care about baseball. Like, they're over there. I'm like, can't you? You could come and teach my class for a couple of days while I go to some baseball games. So yeah, yeah maybe that factors that? in you, a little bit.
0: You throw to kill a mockingbird <laughs> at the students, and then you walk out of the room. That's all you do, Dan, <laughs> That's
1: right? all teaching is, David. You just read this book, and then you store out all right well let's keep pushing dan herbie's headline i don't know jack it looked like herbeck pulled him off the bank herbie's headlines so miles michaelis for st louis he's a 33 year old pitcher he pitches a near no hitter which you know how i love no hitters in the second game of a doubleheader so first of all earlier in the day he's like at the zoo with his kids which i love right like doesn't even need to be there for the first game and he comes out and his line david is eight and two-thirds one hit, one run, which I'll get to. One walk, six strikeouts, 129 pitches. Which let me tell you, that doesn't happen very often anymore. That they even let a guy in there. the The game was out of hand. The Cardinals were up nine to one in the ninth. But they got a, so the Pirates had gotten a run earlier on. It was an error. A guy reached on, and then he kind of just got around the bases through your traditional ways, like a ground out, things like that. But I really felt for the guy because this is the kind of outing that I really longed to have, like a complete game. And then here's the thing. He didn't get to finish the game. They pulled him before the final out. Like, come on. Can't you just let the guy throw a couple softballs up there? 129 pitches though, Dan, his (laughs) arm had to be feeling it. That's a lot of pitches. So anyway, good on Miles Michaelis. I'm sorry he didn't get the the meaningless no hitter, but what a great game (laughs) nonetheless.
0: (laughs) The meaningless no hitter. I knew you'd sneak it in somehow. (laughs) I knew you would make sure to make it known that you don't care about no hitters somehow. Somehow.
1: all right well you talk because i this other concept here is one we haven't discussed much
0: no so an immaculate inning for those of you who are not really in the baseball world is basically where a pitcher pitches nine pitches in an inning nine strikes three strikeouts and this happened this happened for the houston astros in a very odd way because it happened twice in the same game with pitchers luis garcia and phil Matten. they both threw immaculate innings Three strikeouts on nine pitches in the same game against the same three (laughs) batters. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it never happened before. It was unprecedented.
1: This had never happened.
0: it's just bizarre right like it's one of those weird stats that i I don't know that you'll ever see again as long as baseball
1: happens what are the odds dan it's also one of those stats where you almost don't even know that it's happening when it's happening you could be stepping up to get a drink or a hot dog and you come back and you will have missed one of the rarest it's like a meteor going across the sky david isn't it though just kind of one of those odd stats as much as it is an impressive one Yes, definitely an oddball stat. Like I
0: doubt it's going to make Jeopardy, right? Like, like I'm not going to see, <laughs> not going to see that up in the old baseball categories think, in Jeopardy.
1: I think the Astros are going to make Jeopardy for a lot of other reasons before the two immaculate innings. I believe that these guys threw today.
0: All right. Well, with that, Dan, let's start looking forward to the Diamondback series, which you are going to be at. Correct.
1: Yes, I'm really excited.
0: And we'll see you tomorrow night. Puckett's picks. With that in mind. Folks, normally we try very hard to make sure that we get the podcast up as soon as possible after the last game of each particular series. Next episode will be a day late because Dan's going to be traveling, but we thought it'd be great to have him record because he can tell us about his experience at the stadium and whatnot. So please thank you for your patience, but so the episode won't come out until Monday as opposed to Sunday, which is normally when we try and get it out.
1: And you guys think it's going to be hot in Minnesota um i'm going to phoenix david i i know it's a dry heat but 110 that's gonna feel pretty dang hot thankfully chase field is enclosed this time of year so yeah i'm excited my oldest son and i are gonna go for his birthday and father's day uh hopefully the twins can can get us a sweep speaking of that so the listeners here are gonna pick first they're gonna take again Luis rise hard to argue with that you know he's the tried and true
0: yeah, the singles machine, Dan, as you dubbed him ah, last episode. I know,
1: I know. What about you? You, you get to pick next.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to take Buxton, and I realize that's odd. Normally, in this in this circumstance, I've been taking Correa, but it does just look like Buxton. If he can put two games together, he's almost a lock for a victory, I'd say.
1: Yeah, this is only the second time you've picked Buxton all year. I thought about some other guys here, but I just have to go with Correa. I, he's the surest bet, so Correa it is for me.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a while, Dan. Uh, barring injury, that these are not the three names taken during Puckett's picks. Well, and with with Arise getting all the help from Nelson Cruz, and and you
1: said something about Ichiro. He called him called Luis Arrias his favorite left handed hitter. They spent a little time before one of the games together. I mean, what an honor that would be. And again, if if the Twins can get a career out of Arrias, anything like that of Ichiro with the Mariners, man, do you
0: think maybe I did notice Luis Arrias he gave the uh, the old sleeve a little tug? I think in one of his at bats. <laughs>
1: You know what? He's got a smooth swing, just like Ichiro does. A couple of team notes, David, you want to get to those?
0: Uh, Yeah, so Chichi Gonzalez, greatest name uh, on the Twins roster, is no longer on the Twins roster. He was claimed by the Brewers, so there will be no more starts from Chichi Gonzalez. And then also the Braves, Dan, I just have to mention this. They won 14 in a row, so we didn't want to do a whole segment on it with Herbie's headline, but I think it's important to note my goodness Dan 14 games is a lot of games to win in a row
1: none of them with Eddie Rosario in the lineup can you believe it
0: <laughs> that's the most shocking part about it Dan
1: also we we're waiting for the Cleveland game to end but the twins lead is down to two and a half games over the Guardians so they're right there David with some big series coming up here in the next couple of weeks
0: hopefully we can keep the lead until we see the Guardians and then we can sort of grow grow upon that basis right Dan
1: there you go all right how about you send us out sir we'll do.
0: Well folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Min for the Win and find our Min for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. A reminder that our episodes are now available on our YouTube channel, and if you could drop us a like and subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and as always, go twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Koufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!